it's time to pile on with Action Sports Jack's Brent Martineau and Dan Hicken. Today's sports podcast is brought to you locally by Jenkins Hyundai of Jacksonville. Welcome to the family. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Rams and Patriots playing in the game Sunday, of course, on CBS 47, 630 kickoff. But, oh, we can wait till then. There's so much to get to before that, including breaking the game down at nauseum. That's what happens in the Super Bowl. Let's welcome in Action Sports Jack's Dan Hicken as well as we break this down from Atlanta to Jacksonville. And Dan, huge storylines. Of course, the Patriots are the Patriots, but you got Belichick against McVay and you have Brady against Goff. This is simply new and old. It really is, Brent, but make no mistake to me, and I think to the as we look at these storylines start to develop, this really is all about the New England Patriots, isn't it? I mean, we're trying to find stories for the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, does anybody know who the Los Angeles Rams are? I mean, they're the new kids on the block, so but they're going to have to, you know, if they can do what the Patriots did 17 years ago and get on a little bit of a run with a young coach and a young quarterback, then they will become a story. But right now, the story is Tom Brady in his ninth Super Bowl, Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time the New England Patriots maybe the greatest sports franchise dynasty of all time in any sport I mean that's to me what everybody seems to be focused in on not so much uh, the who is it again is it the Rams yeah the Rams <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, not the St. Louis Rams, either right. the Los Angeles Rams. You know what strikes me, Dan? I think it's interesting. Obviously, the Patriots are the evil franchise in sports right now. I mean, everybody's trying to root against them. And they usually are so serious, they're not fun to even try to root for. Well, here this week, it feels like they're the loose team having fun, almost like they didn't anticipate their season would end this way. And I think Tom Brady's the leader of that. He looks like he's smiling a lot. He didn't have a problem with all the questions on media night. That's not the usual M.O. of the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. I sense a different team. And on the other side of that, I think the Rams, maybe unlike the Eagles of last year with Nick Foles or go back a few years to whatever team you want to name I don't feel like the Rams are lovable they're almost so new that people don't want to embrace the 33 year old head coach either that or they know this defense has kind of been put together with guys like Ndamukong Sue who's not really the most likable player in the NFL so I think it's an interesting dynamic from a rooting interest although that all being said I think most people would love to see the New England Patriots lose as they try to win a sixth Super Bowl yeah, yeah, perhaps you're right. It'll be interesting to see how it goes down. As far as the game itself, Brent, the Patriots have hit their stride, right? They're playing their best football of the year. I mean, you know, we've always talked about the Patriots' formula for getting to the Super Bowl. Well, they didn't follow it this year because the formula has always be the number one seed. They weren't the number one seed. Play the home playoff game against an easy team. They didn't. They had the Chargers, who were one of the best teams in the AFC this year at 12-4. and four. And after dismantling them, then you usually host the AFC championship game where they're unbeatable Fox, where they had to go on the road, went out to Kansas City, beat the uh, hot team, the hot offense. Uh, so, listen, <clears throat> the Patriots are able to run the football, and if they can run the football against the Rams, I think they're going to win. The one caveat I'll throw your way, though, and, and when you look at the Patriots' history in the Super Bowl, they're all close games, whether they win or lose. So I do expect a close football game, you know, come down to three or four points and see which side of the, the, the ball is, you know, uh, the Patriots are on. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, don't give the ball to Tom Brady in overtime or don't give the ball to Tom Brady on that last drive. Uh, he's usually pretty lethal, although last year the Philadelphia Eagles stopped Tommy Terrific on that final drive when they forced a fumble. 
Yeah, and all he did was throw for 500 yards in that game. I mean, you said it. They've been in close games. He has five game-winning Super Bowl touchdown drives. He's had to do that. That's how close these games have been, and that's why his legacy is what it is. That's why he's the greatest of all time. You brought up this year. It's very interesting because, remember, Brady and Gronk, they didn't go to OTAs. They kind of got a late start. They had Josh Gordon going in and out. Some people thought Gronk was going to retire. So it's been kind of – it hasn't been a rhythm kind of year for the Patriots. Go back to week number two. This is amazing. The Jags, when they beat the Patriots, and that was an impressive performance, 31-20. to 20. Blake Bortles, 377 yards and four touchdowns. It's the most yards any quarterback threw against Bill Belichick's defense this season. And keep in mind, they played Patrick Mahomes twice. They also played Andrew Luck. And also the Jags accumulated 480 total yards, the most against Belichick and the Patriots defense. So they obviously got better as the year went along, and they're playing better football. But we know what it comes down to. It's all about number 12, and they control the game on offense, and Tom Brady is the best. And I think it's going to be really hard, Dan, for uh, Jared Goff and, and Sean McVay to figure out number 12. Very few people have been able to do it, although Nick Foles did a year ago. I, I, I don't like you bringing up September. That's a bad memory. It was a great time, but it's a bad memory because of the season that went bad for the Jags. But for this particular segment, we're talking about the Patriots and the Rams. So, like, I do think the Rams have a, a chance. But, uh, you know, what, what are we going to get out of Todd Gurley? Because if Todd Gurley plays like he did against New Orleans, then they have no chance. You know what Bill Belichick does. He takes away whatever the Rams do best. So whatever the Rams, whatever he determines the Rams do best offensively, they're not going to be able to do it on Sunday. So that's another thing that Belichick often does. That's sort of the Belichick formula. So I look forward to it. I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Uh, but the dynasty rolls on. And then Brady's sitting there telling us at the age of 41 his goal is to play till he's 45 look father time is undefeated uh he's never lost and Tom Brady's 41 and if I were a betting man I don't know that he's going to make it to 45 but how do you bet against that guy because every year he comes out I mean they were saying he slowed down we watched him in the AFC championship game I mean he was throwing bullets on third and 10 in overtime uh three great passes on third and 10 uh to keep drives alive uh, there's no question he's the best there ever was. So you don't want to bet against him, but 45? I mean, who's Jimmy Garoppolo? We forgot all about that guy. That trade doesn't look so bad now, does it? <laughs> no, it really doesn't. I don't think they're complaining about that in New England anymore, Dan. It must be something in the water up there because Adam Benetieri, who started his career, of course, is like 46 years old and still playing, just signed another deal with the Indianapolis Colts. And I don't think Father Time's winning against Tom Brady right now. Eventually, he'll win, but I don't think he's winning. One Rams player playing in Super Bowl 53 is actually a former Jags player. And Dante Fowler Jr. thought he might be in this game, but probably thought he would be in this game as a Jags player. At least everybody had those expectations if you go back uh, to the summer and training camp. Well, midway through the year, the Jags traded Fowler to the Rams for a third and fifth round pick, basically saying he wasn't in their future plans. Dante Fowler Jr. talking about the Jags, his time in Duval, and also about the chance to win a Lombardi trophy. We caught up with him here this week at Super Bowl 53. Uh, that's surreal. You know, even though I was, I was with that, uh, when I was with the Jaguars, we had the same goal and the same mission uh, just to make it here. And, um, you know, it's, it's surreal to definitely be here and, um, you know, just be in this situation. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, 
you know, you, you you rarely get moments like these Jaguars. They had a, they had a moment like that what in a, in 20 years. So I don't know when the next time it's going to happen. I'm just happy just to be in the spotlight and um, just trying to soak everything in. You're here now, so I can soak it in with you. How about the offseason? You probably thought you'd be in the Super Bowl just wearing a different uniform. You yeah. guys had that expectation yeah. in Jacksonville. We had the expectation, you know. Um, you know, we had a momentum rolling you know, at the beginning of the season, but you know, uh, everything comes all in one, and I feel like uh, that this year the missing piece was uh, just you know having all the puzzle pieces of the puzzle together. But that's all right. Did you not handle the success well? Do you think there in Jacksonville as a whole, not you, just as a whole? Um, as a whole, honestly, I'm very proud of what we did. You know, our team was down, that city was down, and the guys that they brought in, we really uplifted that city and. Honestly, you know, besides those three years that I had at UF, I had the amazing, I had amazing time in Jacksonville. I love the city of Jacksonville. I made a lot of friends and I love a lot of people there, but you know, things don't work out and uh, that's okay. But I'm just happy that, you know, I was able to move on and I'm gonna show everybody in Duval, you know, who I really am and uh, I won't let you guys down. You have had some success against Tom. Last year's AFC Championship game, this year the strip sack fumble. I mean, what's about playing against Brady that brings maybe the best out of Dante Fowler? Well, just, you know, watching, you know, Brady pass games, you know, when Vaughn played him in the AFC Championship when they went to the Super Bowl that year. And just, you know, I watched how he got after him, how DeMarcus got after him. And just like, in order to get him, you know, he's the best quarterback that ever played. He's going to carve carve you, you know what I mean? It's, if you don't have nobody on him, it's like Skelly. He's going to probably make every single throw. But, um, you know, you just got to get to him, you know, and that's why they, you know, they pay us to be pass rushers. So, you do whatever it takes for me to, you know, step on him, you know, step on his toes, you know, grab him, grab his hands, his fingers, you know, just to rattle him because that matters as well. How shocked were you that you got traded when you got traded? I was shocked. I was, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought I was staying. Um, but, um, honestly, uh, it was right after practice and uh, it was like two hours uh, to the trade deadline, like an hour left in. Uh, Dave had called me and um, told me he was going to trade me, but then he said he was trading me to L.A., so I was like, okay. <laughs> worked out okay. Yeah, it, was, it worked out. It's clearly it worked out okay, so, um, you know, I respect those guys. Definitely uh, respect Dave um, for just giving me an opportunity. Um, you know, I promise you, I, I'm not going to let him down. I told him I won't let him down when it's all said and done, but sorry I wasn't able to, you know, get it done in uh, the right way uh, down there in Duval, but that's life. Uh, I went I went through adversity and uh, yeah, I, I learned, I became a man up there and um, definitely a professional. Last one, uh, how much you got in your mouth and on your ring? And I mean, you get, you, you get looking for a bigger yeah, ring, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'm looking for a bigger ring, but I got a little, little VVs, you know. Some people, in, some people in Jacksonville know what I'm talking about, you know, south side, west side, but um, it's definitely good to see you, man. Thanks, man. Good, good, to see you. good luck. Thank you. All right, go get it done. Some interesting thoughts from Dante Fowler Jr., and if you've paid attention to some of the stories coming out of Super Bowl 53 week in Atlanta, Dante's kind of been all over the place from saying he was depressed after he thought the Jags gave up on him when he tore his ACL his rookie season to also blaming the brass and saying – the team wasn't humble enough at times. Let's uh, bring Dan Hicken back into the fold here. Dan, this is kind of typical Dante, right? He's all over the map at times. Even though he's a likable player, you kind of never know what he's going to say. 
Yeah, I like Dante Fowler Jr. a lot, and I'm happy he's in the Super Bowl, but I'll certainly defend the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they handled Dante Fowler Jr. Remember, they paid him all that money after he tore his ACL. Uh, they stood by him. He, he's frustrated because he wasn't starting. Well, then be the best player. He wasn't the best player. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe is a better football player than Dante Fowler Jr., so Yannick Ngakwe started instead of Dante Fowler Jr. That's how football works. That's how it's always worked. It doesn't matter. You should laud the Jaguars for for playing the guy who you know not force feeding us the number three pick overall and giving us the third round pick in in Ngakwe so I think that was a, a positive for the Jaguars so I'm a little I'm not troubled by it I mean Don, I heard him say you know I was kind of the scapegoat and things like that and that's just not true and by the way Dante Fowler Jr. went to Los Angeles and yes he had a huge play in the NFC championship game heck he had some big plays in the AFC championship game the year previous when he was with the Jaguars however also keep in mind Brent he had only two sacks with the Rams. The curious thing will be, are the Rams going to throw millions of dollars here when the season ends and he becomes a free agent, or are they going to let him walk? So those are the questions. I mean, like I said, I'm happy he's in the Super Bowl. Good for him. Uh, he's in a great situation. But he played a lot more in those last six games than he did in Jacksonville, and he still only registered two sacks. That's a very good point. And by the way, I don't think he ends up back in L.A. I think a team like the Jets or someone with a ton of money will probably throw money at Dante Fowler Jr. He's about to get rich. If he's not rich already, he's about to get even more rich despite some of that lack of production. But I think you brought up a great point. And just to finalize our thoughts on Dante Fowler Jr., you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe outperformed Dante Fowler Jr. He was probably a better pro than Dante Fowler Jr. And because of Yannick Ngakwe, they feel, the Jags feel, their investment is in number 91 instead of number 56. And you can't invest in both of those guys. So it's really all because of Yannick Ngakwe. Nobody else that Dante Fowler Jr. is no longer in Jacksonville. Well, we talk about greatness, and anytime we do that in Jacksonville, Dan, we have to bring up Tony Baselli. It's another huge week, third time a finalist here at the Super Bowl, trying to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We talk about it all the time. Give us your gut, Dan. Is this the year? Are people going to finally smarten up that Tony Baselli, we all know, one of the greats of all time, even though everybody says that and then hedges with, but did he play long enough? Forget about that part. Is this the year Tony Vaselli finally wins over the voters? I think the best way to answer it, Brent, is to say I don't know, and I think that's a fair way. You know, I mean, I can't go, I can't go out on a limb because we don't know what's going to happen in that room. Even the guys who are going to be in that room don't know what's going to happen in that room. Here's what we do know, okay? We know that Tony Gonzalez is going to get in. We know Ed Reed is going to get in. We know Champ Bailey in all likelihood is going to get in. There's three. That means there's two spots open. Well, they haven't put an offensive lineman in for a couple of years now, and so it's time to put an offensive lineman in and that may be the way they go but there's still 12 guys fighting for two spots right so there's three or four offensive line I think there's we well, got Hutch you got Fanica Mawai and Baselli. so the way I look at this is is, is simple yeah if you're a, if the tackle is always better than the guard. Those other guys are guards and centers. Baselli was a tackle, so Baselli should be the first one in if they go offensive line. I hope they do. I hope this is his time. I hope they decide, hey, you know what? We really need to get an offensive lineman in or we're going to get a log jam at that position. So uh, it's going to be very interesting, and we never know how it quite works out uh, in that room. It's a long process, and, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. But the general feeling is uh, Tony's got a shot, but it just depends what you read, where you read it, because uh, you can make an argument, in all honesty, Brent, for any of those, any of those other 12 guys. They all, all deserve to be 
uh, uh, considered and debated for the Hall of Fame. Well, the good thing, Tony Baselli knows that, too. He brings that up as yeah. well. I mean, if you make it 15 finalists, then you you probably have earned the right to get the nod as one of the top five, and you got to, you know, uh, get that list down to five, and it's a hard thing to do. I want to bounce one more thing off you, Dan, because every time we bring up Baselli, anyone we talk to here at Super Bowl week, anyone we talk to over the years, Anthony Munoz, who is widely considered the best of all time, even says it, that Tony Baselli is one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time, at his position. You know this from a, maybe more of a historical reference. You maybe watched some of these guys in action uh, more than I would have, and I know you watched every game of Tony Baselli. But if I bring up Fanica and Hutchinson and Mawai, do you say that about any of those three guys? And in my opinion, you don't. And that alone should get Baselli the nod uh, uh, over those offensive linemen. Well, you're exactly right. And I think at this point, honestly, if, if one of those offensive linemen, and the one I'm most concerned about, if, I were, if you were to ask me, who do you think which offensive lineman has a chance to get in ahead of Baselli, it might be Hutchinson. But again, I'll go back to the fact that he was mainly a guard. Baselli's a tackle. The tackles get paid the money because that's the tougher position to play. So, and Baselli was viewed widely, as you mentioned, as the very best. Uh, uh, he's on the all-decade team, for goodness sake. So, listen, it's his time. I hope he gets in uh, selfishly, too. I think it'd be a lot of fun to go to Canton again and, 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 and cheer on the big fella. So, and I know a lot of people down here are rooting for him. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I think eventually he will get in. But, you know, listen, it's a tough – it's a great honor. He knows it. Uh, he, he's thrilled to be a finalist. But that Saturday afternoon is, is tough, man. When you're sitting in that room and that phone rings and you look down and you see that Canton area code, you know you ain't in. Uh, you got to get that knock on the door from uh, uh, the hall president Baker. You want him knocking on your door telling you uh, congratulations, man. And he's had to go. This will be his third time. But there's others who've gone through it as well. So I'm just hoping and praying that he finally gets uh, uh, what he deserves. And he is a Hall of Famer. And, and hopefully they will reward him so. What a dynamic you just brought up as well. It is such a, an amazing moment to be considered in the top 15, and now he's done it a few times, yet that Saturday afternoon, oh. man, if you don't get in, it is <laughs> gut-wrenching and yeah. awful. And, hey, we all feel it. I think the city of Jacksonville feels it. I think the franchise feels it. And, uh, obviously, so many of us that have, have now know Tony pretty well feel it as well. So we wish him the best. We'll find out, then, right around showtime. We have a show 7 o'clock on CBS 47 yeah. and Fox 30 live from Atlanta and Super Bowl 53. And usually we find out right before that, so, uh, hey, we're willing to dedicate the whole hour to Tony if they give him the <laughs> nod and get him to uh, Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, that will do it for us uh, here on the podcast. Dan, take it easy on the prop bets this year. All right? I know. You didn't I get do a so crazy. well last year, I so get be a careful. little crazy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> for Dan Hicken, I'm Brent Martineau. Enjoy Super Bowl 53, everybody. You've been listening to Action Sports Jacks Pile On with Brent Martineau and Dan Hicken. Today's sports podcast has been brought to you locally by Jenkins Hyundai of Jacksonville. Welcome to the family.